Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, and I am joined by Mary Meyer, who's been a stranger around. <laughs> We're glad that, uh, that you've come back in. It's good to see you again. Happy New Year. Oh, happy New Year. Great to be here, Denny. Good That's to see you again. Mary Meyer, of course, uh, the faculty member at the University of Minnesota Extension, helping you out here on our Smart Garden Show. If you have, uh, and I'm looking at the temperature, Mary, I just told Mary, it's now one below zero. Let's talk lawns and gardens. (laughs) It's January in Minnesota. Well, there is a lot we can talk about. Um, I got two new garden books, actually from the library. You did? Yeah, but but really amazing. Uh, It's a great time to think about your garden and plan what you can do. So inspiration, we're always looking for ideas. Um, Coming up this week... Um, well, actually, tomorrow is a great day to go to the Arboretum. Not only is it free all January, but uh, tomorrow especially is a winter market with 80 vendors. Really? What's there? 80 vendors 80. selling different, uh, maybe some plants, but often uh, food-related items or plant-related items. So, yes, we actually had a waiting list for vendors to get into this event. So we'll be inside in the Great Hall. uh, But all of January, you can come to the Arboretum and take a walk, uh, have lunch in the cafe, see the conservatory. Great time to visit. There there are a lot of uh, outdoor activities, too, during the winter. Yes, there are. Now, you can go snowshoeing, skiing. Uh, People have been asking about how our ski trails are. And, of course, they're kind of poor conditions. Yeah. Until we get yeah. some snow. But uh, the ski trails, you can walk them. You can walk three-mile drive. You want to look at the website because there are some special days during the winter when we do tours or walks, nature walks, or tours in the sculpture garden in the wintertime. So there are a lot of special events. So check out the website. And, yeah, think about coming tomorrow. The Winter Lights was, you know, that was the lighting on at the Arboretum. It was it was a real family event. My grandkids did not want to leave. Really? That's a good sign. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, but it, we did have a lot of people there, it, it, a lot of people. So that was a great event. But coming up in February is a flower show, the whole month of February, a beautiful flower show, uh, indoor, beautiful uh, blooms with a uh, nice uh, theme and conservatory plants and so on. So that'll be fun. That's next month. That's February. Next month. That's February. So but keep Jan- in mind, January's free. January's free every day. Yeah. Every day. Right. And uh, to get to the Arboretum, for those that don't know? It's uh, west of the cities uh, on Highway 5, just west of the intersection of 41 and 5. Easy to find. Easy to find. Well marked. Yep. Right. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question that you want to talk to Mary or uh, send her a text, same number applies, 651-989-9226. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. If you'd rather send a text message, same number. I uh, tell you what, let's go to the phones. Lynn is calling in from uh, Shoreview, I think. Lynn, you're on with Mary. Yes, Mary. I was feeling bad last week when uh, Julie had to get rid of her Meyer lemon tree because mine is just thriving. And um, before Christmas, I had two 
blossoms, and now I have a little lemon coming. But this week, the entire tree, it's about two feet high by three feet, is just full of clusters of blossoms, 15 to 20 clusters. But I'm seeing some little holes on some of the leaves, and when I looked closely, I see just a pinpoint of a little tiny white bug or insect, something. What do I do? I don't want to lose it. Well, I would put it in the shower. I mean, I've, I've heard Julie talk about that, and I have done that with my citrus and other plants. The first easiest thing is to put it in the shower or put it in your sink or somewhere that you can really spray it off with water and try to remove those. It sounds like that might be white flies that you're seeing. They're, uh, white flies are very tiny or a scale insect. That's another thing that uh, comes on citrus quite a bit. But um, I think you can take care of it with uh, good inspection and cleaning it off with water. If that doesn't work, then I would try an insecticidal soap, which you can spray uh, on the foliage as well. But I try water first. But um, Lynn, you're right. This time of year is when the citrus blooms. My Meyer lemons have ripe fruit, green fruit, and flowers on all at the same time. So it's an amazing plant, lots of fun uh, to grow, especially in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Julie, it's sad, sad for Julie that she had to get rid of it. I missed that. Yeah. Was it scale? She yes. gave up on the scale. Yeah. Yeah, the thing with the scale is that if you use the heavy-duty uh, systemic insecticide, You'll get rid of the scale, but you can't eat the lemons for like a year. Really? Yeah, because it's internal. It takes a long time for that pesticide to work itself out. And so, yeah, you, I, I would say you could give it up if it wasn't a heirloom. Start over. Get another one. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Susie that called in the one time of something I didn't know because we have uh, a lemon tree at home that has four or five big, you know, big really yeah, big they're, lemons. They're but normal size. They're green. But uh, Susie said, I believe, that they're still delicious, but you just can't use the zest when they're green. Yeah, they, 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 they're they not going to be nearly as sweet. Probably I not. Think. Yeah, more a bitter taste uh, to them. I've never tried um, eating any of the green ones. She said they're just as good. They're just as good. I, I, can, I can understand that because it's just a matter of sugar to starch ratio, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. All right, Lynn, thanks for the call. Uh, Lynn leaves that line open if you want to chat with Mary, 651-989-9226. Or again, if it's easier, send Mary a text, 651-989-9226. Well, here we are, the new year. Did you uh, say, you started saying you got a couple of books. <laughs> I got a couple of books. So reading and getting inspiration from books is a great thing to do uh, this time of year. Uh, if you go to, well, the Arboretum Bookstore, uh, any major bookstore, uh, the uh, Hort Society's website. You can find a lot of recommendations for books to read and look at, especially design books. Uh, the one I was got from the library is called Gardentopia. Gardentopia, all one word. And it's a really interesting book. Every page has a different idea. Mm. So it's a very brief look at a lot of different ideas like Put a container uh, in the middle of your perennial garden or build steps with cedar logs. Uh, and then there's a section on color and things like that. So it's a really, you can quickly look and see what ideas could work for your own uh, garden. Um, the other thing that's coming up this week, this is for commercial businesses, but this is a big deal in the industry, is the Green uh, Northern Expo is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the Convention Center. So next week and the following week, 
uh, when you listen to the show, we'll be talking to you about what's new and what we learned down ah. there. It's, uh, yeah, it's about 6,000 people will come to the convention center and uh, talk about plants. And we have people coming from all over the United States to speak. Uh, at that, so that's a lot of fun. We get a lot of ideas and uh, inspiration. But from this that. is generally open to the the, the professional. Uh... Yeah, it's really for professionals. I mean, anybody can go. You can go on the website in Northern Green and um, look it up. But it's really an industry wide thing with a big trade show and the equipment, the plants. Uh, people, a lot of growers buy their plants in there, and so on. So that's that's a lot of fun for us. You know, you said as far as the, the books and reading, this is a perfect time of year to uh, to kind of kick back and plan for the spring and summer right. and the fall, for that matter. Uh, yeah. But the university's website is is filled oh, with so with much ideas. Information. Yes, um, Gail Hudson is a great um, a video producer and writer, and she's the editor of our uh, Yard and Garden News, along with Julie Weisenhorn. So, the lots of ideas for resolutions for the new year. What are you going to do differently in gardening this year? It was interesting that a couple of our educators said they're scaling back. Their gardens have been too big. They couldn't take care of everything, and they're scaling back. And Ann Sawyer, bless her heart, she said, this is the second year in a row for my same resolution because, <laughs> because I couldn't do it. I, didn't, I did it, but I didn't do it enough. I have to scale back further. So um, Even gardeners even break their <laughs> resolutions. Yes, right. So the wintertime gives us a chance to refuel and rethink of ideas, but lots of ideas for uh, new plants, uh, resolutions for gardening, and, and what you're going to do different this All year. Right. Hang on, Mary. We're going to take a quick break. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, yeah, we'll talk lawn. 651-989-9226. That's the number that applies both to the text and the phone calls for Mary. Smart Garden around every Saturday morning here on WCCO in the 8 o'clock hour. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Welcoming your lawn or garden questions. Mary Meyer from the U of M is with us this morning helping you out. So call in your question or text uh, Mary your question. Uh, either either way, same number applies, 651-989-9226. Uh, Mary, we, we hadn't had a Creeping Charlie question in so long, especially during the winter. But this one, is uh, the texter wants to know, what is the active ingredient for treating Creeping Charlie? And like you was al- you've always suggested, the fall is the best time for that. Yeah, fall is the best time. So trichlor is uh, kind of a hard chemical name to say, but that's the one you want to look for in the active ingredient list. Usually what happens is if you find um, a broadleaf weed killer, uh, two or three chemicals have a more uh, effective or synergistic effect. So one chemical by itself, the common one, 2,4-D, is not as good as two or three chemicals. And trichoplor is one that um, has the best uh, effectiveness. And in the fall, it's usually the best time. You know, we talked over the last uh, several months about all the damage that was done during last season to uh, things like boxwood. Right. I hope that doesn't happen again. 
We hope not. We hope not. A, a lot of that was due to, uh, well, real fluctuation, but uh, not enough snow cover. So plants were really exposed, not enough snow cover. Then the so, cold, too. and then Yeah, and extreme cold temperatures. So t- kind of typically cold, but with no snow cover. So hopefully, yeah, that won't happen again. We actually could use a little bit more snow cover, I think. It'd be good. We, uh, I'm looking at the forecast, Mary, and it, it looks like we have a chance uh, tomorrow, maybe less than one inch, but then Sunday night, there's the possibility, at least here in the Twin Cities, of one to two inches yes, of so more th- snow. So need some cleaning up a little bit. Right. right. Some of that Cover up snow. those plants. Yes. Yeah. Right. All right. Snow. Call us or text us. We're talking lawns and gardens on our Smart Garden show. Uh, here is one. Uh, I am going, the texter. I'm going to try to grow dwarf fruit trees in my apartment. If I plant a Macintosh and a peach tree, do I need a pollinator for each? Uh, yes. Um, you. This is going to be really difficult because uh, producing fruit indoors is uh, really, really difficult. Uh, even in greenhouse conditions, uh, this is uh, a challenge. So indoors, unless you have excellent light conditions, and in our climate you'd have to do uh, lighting to make a 16-hour day all through the winter time. Uh, I'm, I, you'll get the plants to grow, but fruiting is a whole different ballgame. And then pollination, you know, you'll have to do the hand pollination unless you're going to put some bees in with your uh, plants, so that's not likely. But um, two or more varieties, yes, certainly for the apples, you definitely have got uh, to do that. So that's a challenge. So if this works out for you, let us know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because that's a, that's a big deal. Now, a dwarf is really very productive. So the size won't be an issue. It's the amount of light that's going to be an issue. All right. Uh, text or call your lawn and garden question for Mary. Here's another text. It says, I have two three-foot jasmine. I bought this summer for my daughter's wedding. Uh, I brought them in. One at my house, one of my daughters in the last couple of weeks, it seems to be shedding their leaves. Yes. Will it get new ones? Hopefully. If you've got these in good light conditions, so we often see jasmine in conservatories. They have this wonderful fragrance, of course. They, again, need a huge amount of light. So as much light as possible that you can give them a sunny south window all through the winter. And then... um, Right, moving them out in the summertime would be good. They will not live in our climate outdoors, but as a conservatory plant or a, as a house plant, I have not done that personally, but I know they're in a lot of conservatories, uh, so good, really good light conditions. Okay, very good. Here's a text that says uh, the city where we live, in this case it was Brooklyn Park, uh, they removed our large boulevard ash tree late in November due to emerald ash borer. Uh, we're looking for recommendations for a replacement tree. The city forester recommends not planting in the exact same spot. When can we plant again, and what is a good replacement? Well, in the springtime, uh, you know, through the month of May and June is a really good time uh, to plant. And I, I can uh, list several plants here. There are um, 16 different ones the city of Plymouth um, is using for replacements. I'm, some of them are disease-resistant American elms. Uh, there are different uh, red oak 
uh, is the Northern Red Oak is another one that uh, Plymouth uh, is promoting and selling. Hackberry is a good one. Uh, Honey Locust, a good one. Uh, but I would also recommend in the city of Brooklyn Park that you look at their we- city's website. Uh, many of our cities give out plants uh, for a fee. They will distribute bare root plants in the spring. So some cities are actually uh, helping you to get the plants, the right good plants, to put in for replacements of that. Uh, and on our website, we have replacement trees for the uh, ash um, as well. Yeah, if you need uh, some ideas on, on, on trees and shrubs, and uh, right. you, so, you've got tons ex- of information. Yeah. Tons of information. So extension.umn.edu is a great uh, resource for that. All right. Uh, if you want to send in your text or call Mary, same number, 651-989-9226. Uh, here's a text. says, I'm seeing seed catalogs that offer impatient seeds that claim to be Downy, mildew-resistant, or tolerant. What can you tell me about these impatient varieties? Do they perform as claimed in soil that has been unable to sustain impatience? Yes, there are two new uh, lines now that are out. Uh, One is called Beacon and one is called Imara. And they are disease-resistant to the downy mildew, which has been so devastating. So, um, yes, they are both... uh, yeah, I think they're both propagated by seed. So you can start these yourself, but these should be available now more and more. They were limitedly available last year, but this year, 2020, I expect those to be in garden centers. So the New Guinea impatients doesn't get the powdery mildew, but our, our regular Walleriana impatients does get powdery mildew. So these are the only two kinds I'm aware of that are available. But, yes, that's a big improvement. Same thing with uh, basil. Basil got downy mildew, and now their wonderful plant breeders have been able to uh, release disease-resistant forms. That's amazing. Amazing, really. It really it's is. Wonderful. It's wonderful it happens so quickly uh, that they can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell you what, we need to take a quick break. Let's do that, and we are uh, inviting our listeners to uh, join us uh, with uh, your text messages or phone calls, same number, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. We talk lawns and gardens in the 8 o'clock hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. And we are back talking lawns and gardens, welcoming those kind of questions from you, either by phone or by text. Mary Meyer from the U of M is in studio helping you out today. So call Mary or send Mary a text. Same number again, 651-989-9226. All right, Mary, let's go back to the phones. I believe Barry there in Ham Lake uh, has been waiting. Barry, what's your question for Mary? Well, we uh, bought our balsam fir Christmas tree about eight weeks ago, and it's still very, very happy. It's not dropping leaves. As a matter of fact, it's got hundreds of buds, at least an inch long. And I'm wondering how long we can expect this last i mean it's gorgeous uh i'll hang up and listen all right very good wow great good for you barry so uh, uh, what this says to me is that the tree you got was probably freshly cut when you uh put it into your home i assume it's in your home um and maybe the temperatures there are cooler which is great and helping it uh furs are really a um kind of the number one tree now that people are using because they don't 
drop their needles as much, and they smell nice. So lots of Fraser firs or balsams are the the big sellers. So I, I would say, you know, you ideally you might have four weeks. That that's probably where we are now, close to that. I don't know when you put yours up, but four to six weeks at the most. But at some point, uh, the tree will stop taking up water and it will start to decline. So um, cool conditions probably have helped a lot. But great, good for you. That's yeah. testimony to the the length of a live tree. Thank you for that. Talk about the exception. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Right. Well, and also, um, he, Barry didn't say, but he probably had it in water, and it was taking up water. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, if it's freshly cut, it will continue to take up water and take a lot of water up and still be pliable and uh, alive. Yeah, I think Barry said they got it eight weeks ago. Oh, eight weeks? Good for him. That's wonderful. That? <laughs> I thought he was going to ask... Uh, how can I keep it alive? <laughs> or how can I propagate it so I have another, yeah, with all the buds on it and everything. But very healthy tree, great, uh, good good plant, good one to begin with. Thanks, Barry. Barry leaves that line open, 651-989-9226. Uh, Texas, same numbers, they say. All right, let's see. Here's one. Uh, good morning, says, we lost 150 very mature trees on our Wisconsin lake property in July. The forest floor was covered in trillium I know they like shade. Will they die back with no tree cover? Not sure what that is. I don't think so. I think that what they... What is that? Uh, oh, trillium? Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful wildflower. T-R-I, in the beginning of that name, it has three leaves, it has three petals, it has three stamens. So trillium, uh, a beautiful uh, wildflower. It's white and really quite large when it blooms, so showy. Um, no, I, I would hope for the best, even though you do have a lot more sunlight in there. What's going to happen? You're going to find there's some other understory plants that are going to pop up and start growing that will probably provide shade in just a couple of years. So um, that's wonderful. How lucky. Yeah, I should say. Yeah. All right, here's another text Mary just came in. Uh, does composted soil hold onto any diseases which can be transported when used in a garden? Ideally, no. Ideally, compost uh, is um, high enough temperature that lots of uh, weed seeds, diseases, and so on are killed. This happens in municipal compost sites where it's big and the volume is good and the mixing is there and it's in the sun and it can get hot. In home compost in Minnesota, it doesn't usually get hot enough. So we can actually perpetuate diseases and weed seeds can live in our home compost unless you've really got ideal conditions. So the answer is kind of gray. It depends. It depends. <laughs> depends. Yeah. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. You want to call in or text in your uh, lawn or garden question to Mary. That is the uh, number to use. All right, we started uh, off uh, the show talking about, uh, here we are, New Year's, resolutions. Resolutions, And uh, wintertime, I'm looking at the forecast, it's cold. Uh, We're thinking about spring and lawns and gardens, not to rush the season. But uh, what else uh, do you do? What about, you were mentioning something about houseplants that's kind of booming. Houseplants, this is a big, big trend now. Uh, Younger people, uh, which is wonderful, love houseplants. 
So lots of younger people that have apartments, uh, maybe not have a home where they can garden, um, are turning to houseplants. And if you want to um, hear some fun titles, yes, you should try Googling uh, plant parenting, (laughs) plant, P-L-A-N-T, plant parenting, uh, how to raise a plant, a new plant parent, so these are all book titles that are out there, and they are for people who haven't really raised houseplants before. And then if you are an Instagram or social media person, you can see on Instagram, especially pictures of houseplants, one individual plant. There will be a following for a monstera. Monstera is a big, big leaf that has a lot of lobes to it. And if you have a variegated monstera, it's a huge, huge, um, desirable plant. So it's really interesting to see how popular these plants are and arranging them indoors or finding the right ones indoors is really amazing. Now, some of these plants are not, um, they're slow to grow and they're uh, vegetatively propagated and they might take 10 or 15 years to get the size that you see in these pictures. So um, that's why, yeah, they can be quite expensive. So if you go to garden centers this time of year, you can see a huge variety of, um, of indoor plants. Used to be that most of the popularity was around succulents. And they, they are still popular, but now this is broadened out to many different kinds of houseplants. So we have a lot of information on the Extension website on how to care for houseplants, but it's a really fun thing to go to Bachman's or, you know, Otten Brothers, any of the garden centers this time of year and see the houseplants that they have. Um, and I have to say that even uh, some of the big box retailers like Home Depot will have amazing houseplants. The only thing is, is you want to get there where the truck is pulling in because <laughs> then, then it come, the plants come right off the truck from Florida and you can give them a shot in your house. Otherwise, in many of our uh, big box retailers, there's no greenhouse there this time mm-hmm. of year. And those plants are sitting in the store and they're sitting in under shelving even, waiting for somebody to buy them. It can be quite dark. So the the trauma of the shipment from Florida, sitting in a dark warehouse-like setting, and then finally coming into your house can be traumatic. So oftentimes our, our local garden centers have a very good conditions and greenhouses to grow these plants in. But it's amazing if you want to see uh, great house plants, just, um, yeah, go to the garden centers this time of year. What was the name of that book, Plant Parenting? Plant Parenting, yes. How, there, there are three, actually. Plant Parenting, New Plant Parent and how to raise a plant. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for them. Lots of I fun. Think that's great. Oh yeah, it's lots of fun, and yeah. it's wonderful for young people to uh, to try raising plants because sometimes the plants are are the problem. They're more difficult, and people think, "Oh, it's me. It's me. I couldn't do it." But uh, you ha- there are some that are much easier than others. Good point. That's how it goes. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Let's go to the phones. Melissa's calling from Prescott, I believe. Melissa, good morning. Good morning. I I am a beginner gardener. I've only been at it a couple years, and um, I I understand that there's certain plants that I that I plant that will draw the Japanese beetles in, but they have just decimated some of my hard work. 
and we have a dog, and so I don't want to spread some of the chemicals on the lawn. Um, it seems that using the traps draws them in. What can I do to keep these buggers from my hard work that is just so beautiful and, and makes me want to plant more? Well, you're right, Melissa. There are certain plants that really draw them in. A lot of plants in the rose family, so roses, uh, the raspberries, uh, the fruit trees, grapes, and so on, are things that Japanese beetle loves. So th- those are the the prime ones. So if you can if you can't avoid those, do that. The other thing is the first beetles that you see, and we will start to see these around. Oh, June 25th or typically the 4th of July, the first beetles that you see, if you can remove those, that can actually help in cutting down further beetles coming in because the first ones tend to put out the signals, hey, guess yeah. what? There's a great thing going on here and attract others. So that's why the okay. traps don't work. So try to removing the first ones you can see and um, in the the soapy water, just uh, uh, brushing them or holding them, uh, holding that soapy water underneath uh, where the beetles are and knocking them off into the water, that hand collecting them can make a difference in the beginning. The time of day, early in the morning, they tend to be sluggish and not as mm-hmm. active. If you can uh, remove them early in the morning, that's another good tip. Perfect. Thank you so much. Good right. luck. Thanks, Melissa. Appreciate the call. And uh, Melissa leaves that line open for yours. It's 651-989-9226. Uh, same number for uh, for your text question as well. Speaking of text, here's Juan Mary. I was given a rosemary plant for Christmas, and it's all dried up. Uh, I don't think I kept the uh, soil moist enough. Can it be revived? Well, maybe. If it's so dry that when you touch it, it's you can see the needles, the little leaves fall off and so on, then it is uh, <clears throat> probably dead. Uh, rosemary is a perennial in warmer climates, and you can see if there's still some life to it by cutting the stems and see if any of it is green. I find rosemary is quite a difficult plant to grow indoors. It doesn't seem to like drying out indoors when yet it's a dry land plant outside uh, in the summer and in soils where we plant it. So it's pretty tricky to get it going indoors. Uh, you might be able to take find some of it that's greener or better than others and still use that for culinary purposes. But um, it's it's. I have killed several rosemary plants indoors. <laughs> you should, admit that? I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I should say the rosemary has died for me indoors. I didn't kill it, but it is more temperamental than you'd think. Uh, a text. I know we have to break here in a minute. A quick one. Uh, but uh, a texter wanted you to mention again, if you uh, could, even though it's for professionals, the uh, oh, the no- yeah, it's called Northern Green. NorthernGreen.org, I think is the website. And you can look at that. You can see the schedule for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what's going on. Um, is it one week or two weeks? It's uh, just it's three days. Three days, period. Yeah, okay. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, um, yeah, there are different rates for different people, for members, for students, uh, for non-members, and so on. Yeah, any anybody can go if you pay the registration fee. And, um, yeah, and if you're interested in getting into the business, you want to see what's going on, uh, maybe you want to start working in horticulture or just check things out. Yeah, anybody can go to it. All right, good. 
We may remind you of that before uh, you take your leave today, too. We'll take this break, uh, Mary. So hang on. 651-989-9226 is the phone number. It's also the text number. 651-989-9226. And again, good morning. Welcome to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out this morning. Glad to have Mary back here. We have callers, Mary. We have texters. So let's push you back uh, back to work. Uh, let's see who's first. Georgiana is calling in from Lakeville. Georgiana, thank you. What's your question? Uh, my question is about the Japanese beetles. I was surprised that you took another question in January, but that's fine. I'd like to know what advice the University of Minnesota Extension, farm agents, whatever, give to commercial growers of crops like beans, soybeans. I have lost all my roses, all my grapes. Last year they turned my rhubarb, my green beans, my zinnias into doilies. Do you tell the commercial grower to get up in the morning early and wander around with a bucket of soapy water? Or is there another effective treatment for getting rid of this invasive species? So... Uh, yeah, usually, Georgiana, I don't I don't give the recommendations to commercial farmers, but certainly there are a lot of people in extension that do, and that's a pesticide uh, recommendation. So there are chemicals, uh, very effective chemicals that will kill Japanese beetles, uh, timing of those. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's actually a biological, I'm not aware of a biological control pesticide. There might be might be one of those. But uh, the other traditional pesticides uh, certainly are part of the recommendations. I know that there's an article for commercial people about the grapes and Japanese beetles. Uh, There's some exclusion techniques uh, that other countries I know in Asia use an exclusion technique where there's uh, a covering that keeps the beetles out. But um, those recommendations are going to be on our website uh, for commercial growers. Oh, okay. So that you should be able to find those. And the yes. website is for those that don't know? So it's extension.umn.edu. Uh, you can search Japanese beetles, and you can also ser- search something like Japanese beetles grapes, Japanese beetles soybeans, and uh, look for commercial recommendations there. All right. Thank you, Georgiana. Tony's calling in from uh, Minneapolis this morning. Tony, what is your question? Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, about using essential oils to get rid of pests, especially on in potted plants. I've had some good luck with uh, getting rid of aphids, for example, on a potted tomato plant. And I actually, what I did is I just put the peppermint oil in the water and I put it in the base of the plant and poof, the next week all the aphids were gone. I wonder if there's any research on using those oils. Uh, the most common oil is uh, what we call a dormant oil, or it's actually an oil spray that you put all over the plant that makes a covering on the insect that will actually kill the insect by uh, kind of suffocation. Uh, that the uh, essential oils that you're talking about, I am not aware of uh, research that's been done with those. That's really interesting. Um, all of the uh, pesticides uh, recommendations that we make, it's extremely important that the uh, label recommendations are what is followed. So what's on the label to use the recommendations for the rates, the timing and application uh, that's indicated on the label. Uh, but that's something, that's that's an interesting thing to uh, look up. I think I'm going to actually do little that. little research, that huh? Up. Yeah, All right. right. 
Uh, there's a line open. Thank you, Tony. 651-989-9226 if you want to call in or text in your lawn and garden question. We still have time, so don't wait. We have a few minutes left in the show to uh, grab your texts or your phone calls. Here's a, a lawn question, uh, Mary, from the text line. Uh, they, they want you to explain, like, the number of applications of fertilizer slash weed killer on lawn spring through fall. What 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 is the process? We actually have a calendar for that. Julie That's developed right. with the Turf Guys a, a lawn care calendar by a date so that you can look at it. So the uh, minimal maintenance lawn is a one fall uh, fertilizer application, uh, possibly a weed control uh, application in the fall also if you need that. Uh, sometimes two applications of fertilizer in the fall and sometimes a third one in the springtime. So it really depends on the level of maintenance that you want to do in your lawn, the level of weed control and uh, pesticide use that you want to uh, undertake. So there are organic methods uh, that you can use as well, organic uh, pesticides, but it's it's kind of uh, a hot, from a high to low maintenance aspect of what you expect from your lawn, what you want from your lawn. But you can look that up at the extension.umn.edu uh, click on garden, or you can search for lawn care calendar. All right, very good. good. Yeah, yeah. That, that's right. I'm glad you re- reminded us about uh, Julie's uh, input there. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Is is it also a good idea, not this time of year, but to get a soil test from the U? Yes, the soil test is great, especially if you've never done that to understand what the pH is of your soil and what the nutrient levels are. You might have quite high nutrient levels. That's not unusual to have enough potassium and phosphorus in your soil that you don't need. The fertilizer is not a limiting factor. So we, we have wonderful soils in Minnesota, so a soil test um, is, is really great. You know, that reminds me that lawn care calendar by date uh, this is, um, I'm surprised we haven't had a poinsettia question yet. That's true. On how to take care of my poinsettia. But Leonard Perry, one of our colleagues up at the Vermont, the University of Vermont, actually put together a calendar for poinsettia care by date, by holiday date. Wow. <laughs> and he tells you what to do throughout the year, Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day, etc., to get your poinsettia to rebloom. So it's really, that's great. Julie put that together with her uh, poinsettia care, and there's a, there, it's listed there for what to do by the holidays. And I, I think that's interesting, that is the holidays will remind us to do plant care or, right. or lawn care. Or so lawn that's care, a cool sure. idea, right? Yeah, <laughs> Great. Back to the phones we go. Eleanor is calling from Little Canada. Eleanor, what's your question? Hi, I have a calla lily I got last year, and it's down to like having three leaves or stems in it. And I was wondering, how do I take care of it to keep it growing? Well, most of the time, calla lilies are planted outside in the summer. And then in order for them to live through the winter, you have to dig them up, either keep them growing or keep the bulbs, the tuber-like uh, roots, in um, in some peat moss or something, kind of keep it dormant and then plant it out uh, again. So I, I would encourage you, Eleanor, to 
Uh, keep it in the best light that you have and put it outside in the summer. I would even think about taking it out of the container and planting it right in the soil in kind of a semi-shady area because I think it'll grow and do much better uh, in light conditions outdoors in the summer. All right. Very good. Uh, let's uh, talk to, uh, let's see who's, I want to grab this text uh, about the Arboretum. Uh, do you know of any seminars on veggie gardens during the month of January at the Arb? I'm not certain about January, but I'm sure there's something coming up sometime this year. Check the website. Yeah, check the website. So events and classes is there. Then there's all sorts of different categories, photography, artists, and then gardening is there. There, there are a lot of classes coming up, so I'm sure there's something on uh, vegetable gardening. Sure. Charlotte's on the phone calling from Luck, I believe. Charlotte, you're on with Mary. Good morning. Good morning. I have an orange tree. It's only about a foot high. I bought last fall, and it was full of blossoms. It ended up with just one orange on there, and when it got a color to it, it uh, fell off. Now, the, the leaves are all kind of dull, and I'm losing some leaves, but it has, makes no indication of growing at all. Yeah, so do you think this is a regular orange, like a large orange, or was this a, was the no, orange? No, it's a, it's, a it's a regular orange I, I bought from, uh, it's supposed to be a houseplant. Yeah, so a regular size orange is a tough houseplant to grow. It needs a lot of light, more so than the Kalamondan orange, which is a little baby orange. It's the it's Kalamondan's like the size of a golf ball or less. A Kalamondan is kind of a weedy tree, and you can grow that as a houseplant. That's the one that I have that's 60 years old. But a regular orange is a challenge. I don't know. Now, I'm sure somebody has done this. Maybe a caller will call in. I don't know someone who's been successful in getting a regular-sized orange to fruit in Minnesota indoors. So that's a tough plant to grow, but it, it, it comes down to really, really high light. So as best light as you can give it and put it outside in the summer where it's either in the shade or in a porch. So really good light and outside in the summer. All right. Thanks, Charlotte. Uh, there's a text that says this, Mary. I received a Colancho plant two years ago. It was blooming beautifully. Any suggestions how to get it to bloom again? Tried putting it in darkness and taking it out. No, bloom, no blooms at all. I, I think Colancho or Colancoe is more of a cold, uh, loving plant. Cool temperature. So I would try, if you have uh, a cool room, uh, the short days... Maybe, but I think the cool temperatures might do it more. So if the plant is healthy, I would try to giving it like a month of really cool temperatures and see if that will help it. A fertilizer would be the other thing. So the liquid fertilizer, uh, dilute solution uh, every week or two. How about how to take care of a large clivia plant? Oh, my gosh. I have a clivia growing, and it hasn't bloomed yet. I keep waiting for it to bloom. So, clivia, <laughs> so you can relate to this. <laughs> I know. I'm waiting. Clivia is a great house plant. This is one uh, I, I know a lot of people have gotten this to bloom indoors. It's kind of a big, like, lily-like looking strap-like leaves. And then the house, the plant, the flowers are orange or yellow in a big cluster, a big cluster of plants. You see it in a conservatory a lot. I think they like to be pot bound. 
They do like quite a bit of water and regular fertilizer. So year round, I'm putting some fertilizer on mine and just as much light as you can. And I, I as long as it's growing in green, I'd give it dilute fertilizer once a week. Excellent. Mary's good to see you again. We're out of time. Great to be here, Danny. See you in another week or two, I hope. Yes, I hope so. Good deal. Mary Meyer from U of M. What is that uh, website uh, for you? Extension.umn.edu. Tomorrow is a winter market at the Arboretum. All right, get out there. Thanks. Thanks very much, Mary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.